are listening to Ukraine 242. We bring you interview subjects from all walks of life in wartime in Ukraine. Thanks to all our listeners around the world. Here is your host, Anne Levin. Welcome to Ukraine 242, an exploration of the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine, featuring key people on the ground in Ukraine and around the world. I am Anne Levine, reporting from WOMR in Provincetown, Massachusetts. This week, a discussion of how art and culture are being preserved in Ukraine during the full-scale invasion. Our guest is Liana Blikarska, a research fellow at the Territory of Terror, a memorial museum of totalitarian regimes in Lviv. Welcome, Liliana Blikarska, to Ukraine 242. Thank you so much. Before we start, I wanted to ask you, what is your position with the museum? I'm a research fellow at the museum, Tutor of Terror. I do researches. I'm specializing mostly in Second World War, in Holocaust, but also post-war deportation and uh, survival strategies of Ukrainian and Polish intelligentsia in Galicia during the first and second Soviet occupation and then post-war period. But also I'm doing oral history because we also have oral history projects in our museum. So I'm, uh, I'm an interviewer there as well. So the museum was created in uh, 2009. The creation of the museum in 2009 was initiated by the Lviv City Council, which chose to build on the ground of the World War II Jewish ghetto, which after its liquidation was used as Soviet transit prison number 25. This museum a municipal institution, was originally tasked to research and recover the lost pages of history from the middle of the 20th century. The construction of the museum complex was completed in 2016 and opened with intermittent success due to frequent interruptions. Territory of Terror Museum had an eye towards survival of Holocaust and post-war culture in Ukraine. On February 24, 2022, when the full-scale invasion of Ukraine by Russia began, the museum changed its focus from Holocaust and Stalinist studies to preserving art, archives, monuments, and buildings of Ukraine, which are now the targets of Russian destruction. We started preparing for the big full-scale invasions because, you know, a Russian-Ukrainian war since, since 2014 and since late November, January 2022, we were thinking that the full-scale invasions might happen so we, we started thinking what we could do in order to protect our collection. So we started preparing our collection to be sent abroad. Then the full-scale invasion happened and we closed for a few months. We all gathered in our museum at 8 a.m. at morning on February 24th. Our director, Olya Hunter, told us that we need to think about ourselves. 
so we created a list, you know, like where everybody would be in time of war, what we will do for shelters to hide from bombs. And then Olya also started thinking, okay, we should do something more. As museum, we should think also about our colleagues who are like in Luhansk or in Donetsk or like on the south of Ukraine or on the north to help to evacuate the people, but also what to do with their museum collection. And it's very important to protect and it's how to evacuate their collection. So she and colleagues from other cultural institutions decided to create a museum crisis center in our territory of terror museum in Lviv and started operating in order to protect the Ukrainian collections and Ukrainian art. For example, right now in Lviv Museum, we have other collections, but also we have Luhansk Oblast Museum exhibit that was evacuated from Luhansk. And we have some exhibits of the Naked Room Gallery from Kiev that evacuated their exhibits. You could get more information on the Facebook page of the Museum Crisis Center. There you could see how many museums received this help. And also you could see what is going on right now with the museum and collections in Ukraine. For example, yesterday, two museums in Odessa and one in Mykolaiv was destroyed because of the Russian shellings and bombs. Also, in our museum, we decided that we should do more. So we decided to help a project called Wounded Culture. For example, we went to Sumer region to Ohtyrka, uh, and in Ohtyrka, their museum was destroyed on 8th of March. 2022. So we went there to record the testimonies of museum workers, how even the museum was destroyed, but they started to rescue the collection and the exhibits. So we were talking with them about this. And IT guys modeling virtual reality of destroyed museum and of some exhibits that were rescued. And we have presented this project abroad in Germany. And right now we are talking with Ukrainian Museum in New York to present the project there. So uh, visitors could take a virtual reality tour in this destroyed Ohtyrka Museum. But also you could listen to the testimonies. Liana creates audio-visual history installations which are experienced with virtual reality headsets, enabling the visitor to see lost works, buildings, and even towns while simultaneously hearing an audio guide with testimonies gathered from survivors. Because the exhibits are contained solely in virtual reality, they can travel and be shown anywhere. It's the same technology used in video games. Virtual reality constructions use photographs and computer-generated images to give the visitor the experience of entering and walking through buildings and rooms while hearing an audio guide and oral histories gathered by Liana from survivors. Liana, are you going to be able to do virtual reality that you describe of other cities, other museums? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. 
we're planning to go for Kharkiv Oblast to record and do the virtual reality of destroyed museums there. For instance, to Skovorodenivka or to Izium and do the virtual reality there. The city of Kherson in eastern Ukraine was occupied for six months by Russia until they were forced to withdraw last fall. What about the museums in Kherson? Is it true that they were looted and even the museum buildings themselves have been destroyed? Partially, yes. A lot of the collections weren't evacuated and some of the exhibits stolen. The Russians continue to bomb the museum, the cultural institutions. So now they just destroyed our culture. I'm glad that you asked because of the situation in Harrison that Russians are bombing the city. So we are planning in early September to do an expedition there about Kherson Contemporary Art Museum and Kherson Local Oblast Museum and to shoot our second virtual reality episode about Kherson Art Museum. There is an event that just happened, which is that Russia stole Potemkin's bones from Ukraine. Potemkin, of course, was the 18th century military commander and lover of Catherine. Why did they do it? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't explain why Russians are destroying. Despite that Kherson is liberated, it's still a lot of shellings in Kherson and Russians are bombing the city. Why are they destroying the, the monuments? Why are they selling civilians? Why are they destroying our culture? And why are they are so eager to destroy us? You know, it's a really complex question, so I don't have the answer. But it seems like the Russians would want to preserve the Ukrainian treasures, which they believe belong to them. I find it so just unbelievable. Is this something that you're all struggling with? Yeah, you know, we, we're struggling because they, they would like to steal our history and they are stealing our art and treasuries. Yeah, and they're claiming that that's Russian, but I, I think that it is work for Ukrainian lawyers to reclaim back this collection and this treasury through the international courts together with museum workers, politicians. It's just a matter of time and I think it would be even bigger matter after the end of war. To get them back. Yes. Yeah. Are you archiving stories of the people who are being forcibly taken to Russia, the Ukrainians, and the children are you doing mm -hmm. anything? We are not doing this ourselves as a museum, but we are in contact with other organizations in Ukraine who are recording such data and stories. But, you know, we should all be aware that that's very sensitive data and we could record the people sometime after they were in, in captivity in, in Russia or like as uh, children or civilians transferred forcibly to Russia. We are in contact with people who are documenting this because in Ukraine right now we have really a lot of different documentation initiatives.
I see images of monuments that are sandbagged. Is that something that you and your museum do? It's the outdoor monuments and statues where they put bags of sand around them to protect them? That's not our museum is doing this. That's what our Ukrainian Minister of the Culture covers all important monuments with sands and with woods and materials protecting this. So that's what the Ukrainian authority is doing. Also, cultural and public institutions themselves who are covering, for example, uh, if they have important glass arts, you know, stained glasses, yes. they are covering also by themselves. So that's like a, a common work. So a lot of monuments that were built in Soviet times are taken down right now and we are gathering some of them in our museum and we are planning you know, to maybe create a smaller museum about these monuments because it's important not only to take them down and pretend that they weren't existed like in the public space mm. but uh, also tell why, why they were put there and why we're taking them down right now and who is in these monuments and what was their role in the public sphere. You are listening to Ukraine 242. I am Emma Levine from WOMR in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Our guest is Liana Blikarska, research fellow at Territory of Terror in Lviv, a memorial museum of totalitarian regimes. Liana preserves artifacts of destroyed art and culture with computer-generated virtual reality exhibits and gathered testimonials and oral histories. Liana is a dedicated and passionate historian. Outside of her work at the museum, she used her skills to collaborate with a visual artist in an online documentary about the fate of Crimean Tatars. Still before my eyes was my personal project of oral history about Crimean Tatars deportation. Tell us about the Crimean Tatars. So, since 2014, Crimea is annexed by Russia and they're doing horrible stuff right now with Crimean Tatars. They call their organization terrorist organization and a lot of Crimean Tatars in Crimea facing sentences now in prison that was purely constructed for purely political reasons and that's a lie but Russian government is, is doing that to them. And, and you know that some of the Crimean Tatars in prison right now are grandchildren of the Crimean Tatars that were deported in May 1944. 
the Soviet government decided to deport Crimean Tatar populations of Crimean Peninsula to uh, Uzbekistan and to Kazakhstan and Siberia. And that's also important to mention that a lot of Crimean Tatars, they serve in the Soviet army. So, for example, when men were coming back from the front line, from the Red Army, the government told them not to come back to Crimea because their wives and grandparents and children were deported already because they are enemies of the people. You know, they felt very betrayed by the Soviet regime and a lot of people died. So before 1944 in Crimea, it was around 200,000 Crimean Tatars inhabitants. And after the deportation, it was left only 11,000. So it was really the genocide of Crimean Tatars. And then since the independence of Ukraine, a lot of Crimean Tatars, they were coming back to Crimea and were leaving peacefully there until uh, 2014. I, I have a lot of friends who are Crimean Tatars, so when I got the, to know the story, I decided to do something, and I did with my friend Daria Kulsova, who is a Ukrainian painter. We did an art and history project, and we found the oral history testimonies of Crimean Tatars about their deportation and put these accepts of these testimonies on Google Earth map. And there you have different points of the settlements from where people were deported. Each is accompanied by testimony or some visual material and then is linked to the place where they were deported. We decided to limit ourselves only to Uzbekistan, but it was also a lot of people that were deported to Siberia. What about Crimean Tatars' art, their culture, their Mm -hmm. archives? You're protecting them? We are collaborating because Crimean Tatars are protecting their heritage and art and archives themselves. When the annexation of Crimea happened, a lot of Crimean Tatar activists escaped to Kiev and researchers to Lviv. And right now we have a few big Crimean Tatars organizations. We have, for instance, a Crimean house in Lviv and as a smaller organization. And they are protecting their heritage themselves. But we are collaborating with them. For example, this year in the anniversary of Crimean Tatars deportation and and in our museum we held a performance together with Crimean House. And now we are thinking about doing a common project about their return back to, to Crimea in the 90s. It sounds like all of the different organizations and museums really are connected and working together. Is that the case? Yeah, we are all working with this and you know, we weren't really so united, uh, I, I think even before full-scale invasion. So uh, yeah, I, I hope it will continue, you know, because when I'm seeing how the people, they are united together, that's like something totally incredible how they together collecting money for everything uh, you know 
when also some volunteers they do the advertisement that we are gathering money for them like a soldier or for civilian needs or even for protecting art or for the shoot, shooting documentary film or something the ukrainians are unbelievable in how fast they're gathering this money it's incredible you must be extremely proud you sound optimistic actually are you optimistic Mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's very hard to be optimistic when you know uh, when you couldn't really plan your day plan your work because you know you could just start doing your work and then it's air alarm and you should go to the basement uh, when air alarms they are on, we are just all going to shelters because you know, they are shelling people. That's really everyday routine, even in Lviv. For example, I couldn't have my car fixed for two months because the car repair shop is not working when the air alarms are on. So they had an only free spot two days ago but then it was already also an air alarm so we postponed this and today when they had really this few minutes free i just ran you know into their spot to do my car so it's very hard to plan something in ukraine because russia is trying to kill us not only physically but also mentally even if we are far far from the front line everything is changing and you know with this air alarms and rockets when did they start it wasn't happening too much in the beginning in lviv right since february 24 2022 we have an air alarm in lviv almost every day and last year bomb destroyed the big partially destroyed the big training center for soldiers near Lviv mm. then it was like few big shellings in Lviv and a few weeks ago also they destroyed civilian building in in Lviv just like normal residential flats you know so it's like we are really paying attention to this air alarm because nobody knows when they would uh, put the rockets you know and some person who you know just died in the front line or died because of the Russian bombing like and this person is civilian and news from the front line from civilians every time you know and that's a bit crazy how we are all are managing also to work I, I just I, I think my colleagues who are doing still intellectual work and culture initiatives they are incredible because it's very hard to concentrate and to do work in such circumstances but I'm trying to be optimistic yeah I, I think that I'm combining this optimistic approach with this that's a great quality. reality perception so, uh, yeah, I, I hope it will continue, in, you know. Yes, that is just terrible news, and I'm so sorry that you're living like that. I yeah. have one little question. Mm-hmm. At the end of every show, we play a song under the credits. What song would you like us to play? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I need to think, actually. Um, could it be also a Ukrainian song? Oh, of course. Of course. Song? Ukrainian, it's fine. So, 
there is one song that I really like this. Uh, that song by Alona Alona, and it's called Nasha's Loto. That's about the Ukrainian language and different dialects of Ukrainian language. The message of the song is that we should unite all the different words that we have in Ukrainian because language is so rich that we should use all these words. And I, I really like this song. So, Nasha's Lotto, our gold. Well, I really enjoyed speaking to you. Uh, thank you so much and thank you also for your work you know that you're raising the awareness in, in your country in your society about the war in Ukraine but also about what is happening with our culture and art and the museums thank you so much it is my honor and my pleasure and also feel invited to, to Ukraine you know, after the the war will end, I hope after our victory and we will celebrate this all together. Nothing would make me happier. Okay. Okay, I'll be seeing you. Sure. Thank you. Bye-bye, Liana. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Своя мова файна Стрэмпеля сниму и одягну фосу нову байду Що в моїй балсанці знаєш, там чиста водиця А під мої треки тріснуть навіть на гавиці Нечко путню розпіль протвінь, я наповню словом Буду запікати разом єдну рідну мову Рапортом жовто-блакитний читанка писала Десь пішли ми манівцями в пошуках вальхали А мій говір стоповий, західним наріччям Всі слова туди вливали сторіччя в сторіччя Я жила в двох регіонах, зараз уже третій Кажеш, сужи, заговорю я на укрдіалекті І коли я мало говорю, та народною Ні з документів, ні з правил, а природною Такої дома навчили, такої я утинала Для мене мама цей говір із молоком передала Ну якось так співаю кожне слово, розумієш? Ти що гадаєш, по-гуцульськи тільки ти вмієш? Ми добре знаємо правду, нам свою лінію гнуть А тут би здалося якось піваночку закигнути Своє, своє позабори Our Gold by Aliona Aliona Featuring Flinka Thank you to our guest, Liana Blikarska of the Territory of Terror. To see the museum, go to museumterror.com. That's museumterror.com. I am Ann Levine, the host and producer of Ukraine 242 from WOMR in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Editing. Ursula Rudenberg, recording Michael Levine. To see pictures of our guests and to access our library of our previous shows, go to ukraine242.com. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week on Ukraine 242. Ти що гадаєш по-гуцульськи тільки ти вмієш? Ми добре знаємо правду, нам свою лінію гнути А тут би здалося якось піваночку закигнути Своє, своє позаболи, так було роками Від очолей переймели, все за ворогами За ворогами, так і було А не станемо й ми більше, то саме болото
кандидаті, бо це суть моя, себе собою почувати, це мовільна я. Ми в своєму домі газдуємо, поді збираємо каміння, а ми живемо, не існуємо, бо глибоке коріння. Це і шкіто гойчки, чи може тутка й там, картоплю чи ту бульбу, кидаємо лунку і дамку. На лаці гикали, шокали, потім по цей гокали, чи може ми поокали, чи потік-покали. Ну якось так співаю, кожне слово розумієш. Ти що гадаєш, по-гуцульськи тільки ти вмієш? Ми добре знаємо правду, нам свою лінію гнути. А тут би здалося якось співаночку закигнути. Своє, своє позаболи, так було роками. Від очелей переймели, все за ворогами. Хто саме Бог?